from the WIA News Hub in Queensland and WIA News Studios across Australia, this is the National News Service, relayed by VK1 WIA. This is WIA National News for week commencing May 1, 2011. VK1 WIA is off to Mars. We'll be hearing from Sarah Thompson, VK3 AUD Secretary of the WIA. From Addison House, the weekly WIA director's spot, we'll have Phil Waite, VK2ASD. And Amateur Radio suffers a setback in surveillance robotic battle. Oh, and putting out fires with electricity. All up and coming in this edition of National News from the WIA for week commencing May the 1st. I'm Graham, VK4BB. This is VK1WIA. All points of contacts from today's news stories are to be found in print when you read the web editions, www.wia.org.au. VK1WIA is off to Mars, the red planet, and you can come along for the ride. Yes, now you can send your call sign to Mars. NASA are collecting names to be put on a microchip that will be on board the Mars Science Laboratory rover heading to Mars later this year. Some radio amateurs have been adding their call sign to the last name field. As well as having your call sign travelling around the Martian surface, you also get an electronic commemorative certificate to print out on your home computer. The rover has an unusual connection with radio, as we reported earlier in WIA National News. It has special Morse code identifications on its wheels. These indents actually spell out the initials JPL in Morse as it travels around Mars. And of course, JPL stands for the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, the builders and owners of the rover. Closer, here on the Green Planet, last week, Sunday the 24th of April, Jeff Johnson, VK4XJJ, commenced his second transcontinental walk, this time from east to west across Australia. He commenced on the east coast at Byron Bay and, after 167 days, plans to reach the west coast at Steel Point in Western Australia. He'll be walking just below the VK2, VK4 border, passing through Lismore, Tenterfield, Walgett, Burke, and going out of VK2 into VK5 at Cameron's Corner. On his walk, Jeff is seeking funds for nets with the goal of raising $80,000 towards a nets ambulance. The Walker Radio Group have written to all amateurs in the New England and Northwest area asking them to donate to Jeff's walk as he passes through their region. Brian Kelly, VK2WBK, is taking the donations. Now, Jeff's website lists sked times in the late afternoon when he'll be on 40 metres. That's 7.045 at 17.30 hours. Then at 6.30 on 80 metres, 3.612. Beware bogus requests for help. The scam just keeps on coming. The RSGB is advising its members to be on the lookout for bogus emails purporting to be from other radio amateurs and asking for help. They say, and I quote, We've been made aware of a scam that is currently being operated via email to obtain money from unsuspecting radio amateurs. An email, purporting to be from a well-known amateur and signed with that amateur's first name, explains that they've been mugged in some foreign city, losing passport and money. Needless to say, it requests financial support to get the amateur out of difficulties. Several different prominent call signs have been used by the scammers. Obviously, the rule here is, ignore such requests. 
are great for amateur radio and public relations. From the Salamaca lawns Hobart through the displays at the Rapid Creek Business Village Sunday markets in Darwin, down to Sturk, Part, Kalamunda in West Australia, the flag was flown for amateur radio. Sunday the 17th of April was indeed a very successful public relations day with 30-odd registered to participate in every state and the Northern Territory. About half of those registered gave a summary of what they did on the day and were quickly posted in the WIA website for all to see and many we broadcast here last week on WIA National News. From the reports received, people exposed to amateur radio for the first time, shown what it has to offer them and it was a worthwhile exercise in terms of encouraging more licensees. The displays ranged from the basic to the more elaborate always remaining as professional in their style and the nature of what people needed to know. Clubs and groups are now thinking about the benefits, including media exposure and recruits into amateur radio, and even more will be registered next year. Many agreed that lessons had been learnt and that they have the opportunity to share them by making a formal entry that requires some photographic and log proof. The entries do need to reach the WIA National Office by May 13. And now from Anderson House, the WIA Weekly Director's Spot. Here's Phil White. Several weeks ago, I discussed the WIA's Emergency Communications Training Program and how the $10,000 in seed funding allocated by the WIA Board last year has now resulted in over 100 people being awarded nationally recognised qualifications in emergency communications. I would now like to tell you about the next step. The Emergency Communications Scheme was always intended to be a two-part process, training and accreditation. All voting WIA members who have completed the training course and have been assessed as competent will be able to apply for WIA accreditation as an accredited emergency communications operator. But accreditation will not be automatic, and only those who meet certain criteria for availability, health and mobility will be accredited. This is necessary to ensure we provide an effective and useful resource to emergency services and also that we don't place any of our members at undue risk. The WIA tends to promote the training and accreditation program to emergency services and non-government organisations and is currently considering how that can best be done. Also, the new emergency communication system needs a name and the name adopted so far is RAVEN, Radio Amateur Volunteer Emergency Network. It's considered important that the word radio amateur is included in the name and we wanted to avoid any confusion with Wyson. In a few weeks time I'll give you an update on how things are progressing and maybe tell you about some more initiatives in emergency communications from the WIA. This is Phil Waite, VK2ASD for the WIA. This is Sarah Thompson, VK3AUD Secretary of the WIA. As you know, the WIA Annual Conference is being held over the weekend of 27 to 29th of May at the Mirambina Resort in Darwin. Last week I outlined the full program of events to be held over the weekend. If you missed it, you can catch up at the WIA website by clicking on the front page photograph of the Darwin Sunset. Today I want to focus on one of the Sunday activities, our trip to Litchfield National Park. The information I'm presenting is from the Essential Top End Holiday Guide, 
a publication each delegate will receive upon registration. Named after Frederick Henry Litchfield, a member of the first European expedition to visit the area, Litchfield was the centre for tin and copper mining for 75 years until 1955. It then fell under pastoral lease until it was designated a national park in 1986. We will view this spectacular double waterfall set amid the monsoon forest at Florence Falls. Taking the 160 steps down to the plunge pool is optional. We will visit the magnetic termite mounds. Thousands of two-metre-high mounds reveal the architectural feats of these intriguing insects that build their mounds aligned north-south to minimise exposure to the sun and maximise temperature control. Finally, we will have our barbecue lunch at the Wangi Falls, one of the park's best swimming and picnicking spots. Once again, I urge you to please go to the WIA website now and register for this fantastic weekend. Accommodation can be booked at the special rates negotiated by the WIA by calling the Travel Lodge Mirambina on 08 8946 0111 and speaking to Alicia Good or Belinda Anthony quoting the reference WIA Conference. This has been Sarah, VK3AUD, on behalf of the WIA. Across Australia from VK1WIA, you're tuned to the WIA National News Service. In the Brisbane area, it can be heard on 1843 kHz AM at 0900 local time Sunday mornings. I'm Terry, VK4Alpha, Alpha Tango. VK1WIA, all local news. We go around VK in 80 seconds. Cams across Australia, around VK we go. In VK1, the Canberra Region Amateur Radio Club will be again conducting a bi-monthly foundation course this month, being Saturday, May 14 and Sunday, May 15. CRARC will also be conducting assessments and licence upgrade assessments on Sunday 15. The Canberra Region Amateur Radio Club would like to have all monies in now unless otherwise arranged. See that webpage for more details and the application forms. Those dates again May 14, May 15. VK2, the next Trash and Treasure event at VK2WI, will be Sunday, May 29, the last Sunday in May. This is also the next opportunity to have an exam assessment at Dural. VK3, the Moorabbinan District Amateur Radio Club, is pleased to announce this year's Hamfest will be held in the usual location at the Brentwood Secondary College, Watsons Road, Glen Waverley, Saturday, May 7, with doors opening at 10am. The Moorabbin Radio Club's annual Hamfest is proud to be Victoria's biggest and this year will be no exception with displays and sales of new or pre-loved equipment. A must-come, must-see event for everybody interested in radio communications and electronics. Major door prizes, free tea and coffee, light refreshments and a sausage sizzle. Now, trader table bookings and general inquiries can be made by emailing Graham Lewis VK3GL or by telephoning him. Remember, this is a must-see, must-come event. It's the Moorabbinan District Amateur Radio Club. All points of contact for this and all stories in this national news service best found at wia.org.au. 
VK4 and the Clareview Gathering Weekend over for another year. Yes, as this news goes to air, this morning's radio amateurs in central Queensland are winding up yet another successful Clareview Gathering. Some of the keener hams arrived at the Clareview Beach Holiday Village, about 30 minutes south of Serena on the Bruce Highway, on Friday to quickly set up camp and get involved with one of the many activities, a favourite drink, a yarn or two and some serious loafing. More arrived on Saturday and numbers swell for the famous Saturday night mega auction, which again raised much needed funds for the Mackay and Radar Clubs in Rockhampton. Some hams are leaving this morning listening into the news by various means, while some lucky bods are going to enjoy another relaxing day and night at Clareview by the Sea. It is a long weekend in VK4. Thanks to everybody who rolled up to make the gathering an enjoyable one. Produced by Q News for the WIA, this is the National News Service, relayed throughout Australia and originates from VK1 WIA. International news with thanks to RSGB, Southgate Amateur Radio Club, the ARRL Amateur Radio Newsline, NZART and the worldwide sources of the WIA. I'm Jason, VK2LAW. Radio spectrum for the London 2012 Olympic and Paralympic Games. As expected, the RSGB has been approached by Ofcom to help determine sections of the 70cm amateur band that could be released for a limited period around the London 2012 Games next year. As a secondary user of the band, we as radio amateurs have no specific rights to any of those frequencies, but rather than just imposing changes, Ofcom has approached the society in the spirit of cooperation to work together to solve the problem. The RSGB intends to work constructively on the matter to reach agreement with Ofcom on the segments that can be released on a temporary basis. Ofcom has given clear and unambiguous assurance that the segments used will be returned once the London 2012 Games are over. The RSGB is looking closely at how the spectrum is used in the designated geographical areas in and around London, Weymouth and South Essex in order to minimise the impact. We will be responding to Ofcom shortly. The RSGB's response is being coordinated within the RSGB Spectrum Forum by Murray Neiman, G6JYB. Radio Amateur's 50th wedding anniversary. The Derby Telegraph newspaper reports that Radio Amateur Michael Brundle, G6EBL, and his wife Sheila will celebrate their 50th wedding anniversary on the day that Prince William and Kate Middleton are to be wed. Ah, but did they apply to Ofcom for their special call sign, as in GR, for Kate and William? Amateur Radio suffers setback in surveillance robot battle. A robot used to covertly transmit live video during military operations in Iraq and Afghanistan was approved by the Federal Communications Commission for use by local and state firefighters and police, ending a legal battle between radio amateur operators and law enforcement over the device. Called the Scout Throwbot, the robot transmits over the 430 to 448MHz portion of the 420 to 550MHz frequency band, which is primarily used by the Federal Radio Location Service. The spectrum is also utilised by amateur radio enthusiasts, the latter group spearheaded by the American Radio Relay League, opposed a waiver request filed with the FCC by Recon Scoutmaker, Recon Robotics Inc., to use the band. The FCC approval does come with some limitations, however. The robot can only be used by state and local police and firefighters on the specific band. Operators must also first use the Recon Scout on 436 to 442 megahertz bands 
And if those frequencies are inaccessible, then the 430 to 436 MHz and 442 to 448 MHz bands, where interference is more likely, can be accessed. Use of the device is also being limited to emergencies involving threats to the safety of life and training purposes. In addition, the Recon Scout is restricted from use near various radar installations and Air Force bases, and the amount of units that can be sold is limited to 2,000 the first year and 8,000 the second year. After that period of time, future sales will be re-evaluated, according to the FCC. For those not aware, Recon Robotics bills itself as a world leader in tactical robotic systems. It claims that more than 1,200 of the company's robots have been deployed worldwide by the U.S. military and international friendly forces, federal, state, and local law enforcement agencies, bomb squads, and fire rescue teams. More about that company's online at www.reconrobotics.com. Amateur radio relief operations are continuing to help with disaster recovery areas struck by the worst earthquake in Japan in 140 years. We have more in this report from Amateur Radio Newsline's Norm Seeley, KI7UP. Ken Yamamoto, JA1CJP, is the International Amateur Radio Union Region 3 Secretary. He reports that there are several stations on 7.030 and 7.043 MHz who are handling medium-distance information exchanges, but the majority of ham radio operations appears to be on the VHF and UHF bands. As previously reported here on Newsline, JA1RL, the headquarters station of the Japan Amateur Radio League in Tokyo, became a disaster communication center in the days immediately following the giant killer quake. Yamamoto is quoted as saying that some 250 transceivers holding Japan Amateur Radio League licenses are being used for communications between the various refugee camps and local government offices. He says that two sets of 430 MHz repeaters have been delivered to the disaster area. They are operational and being used to augment the existing repeater coverage and provide easier communications between those using the handheld transceivers. JA1CJP says that some towns are so heavily disrupted that the local government offices are also serving as refugee centers and the residents are staying in multiple locations. In such cases, amateur radios can contribute quite a lot in maintaining the ties between the local government and displaced residents. The earthquake, now graded at 9 on the Richter scale, that hit northeastern Japan on March 11th. It has so far been blamed for over 13,000 deaths and the destruction of one of Japan's major nuclear power facilities. That plant is still the site of an intense campaign to bring several damaged reactors back under control and stop the leakage of radioactive wastewater into the ocean. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Norm Seeley, KI7UP, watching the situation from here in Scottsdale, Arizona. It's expected that the ongoing emergency communications being provided by Amateur Radio will continue for a considerable time to come. 
a presentation on the Japanese earthquake triple disaster, and the role played in relief efforts by radio amateurs, will be made at the 2011 Global Amateur Radio Emergency Communications Conference. That's slated for Sun City, South Africa in August. Those stories from the Amateur Radio Newsline. You're tuned to the WIA National News Service across Australia. I'm Bill Pasternak, WA6ITF. Weird and wonderful. Fighting fire with electricity. Harvard researchers are looking to replace the fireman's hose with a handheld wand that shoots beams of electricity. The idea that electricity can control a fire first came about 200 years ago. It was observed that electricity could twist, bend and even kill a flame. Scientists believe electric currents make particles of soot within a flame move, which produces a flow of gas that weakens the flame and can cause it to die out. But in previous studies, chemists used direct current instead of AC to generate electric fields. Now, Harvard researchers have created an electric wand that puts these ideas to the test, but utilises AC voltage instead. The wand was connected to a 600-watt power source, and when shot at flames as high as 18 inches tall, the electric field produced a flow of charged particles that put the fire out completely and almost instantly. While the research is still in its early stages, it's noted that this technology has already shown greater benefit over water because it causes less damage to people's property. In addition, the wand allows firefighters to work from safer distances and can even manipulate the flame to bend so that they can enter burning buildings. I put out my first fire. Wait till father and mother hear about this. I'm a fire engine. From the WIA News Hub in Queensland and WIA News Studios across Australia, this is the National News Service, relayed by VK1 WIA. Operational News on Felix VK4FUQ. Two operations approved for credit. ARRL DXCC manager Bill Moore in C1L reports that two operations on Kristan de Kuna and Goff have been approved for DXCC credit. The two are the 2010 ZD9AH operation and 2010 through 2011 ZD9T operation. According to Moore, if you had these operations rejected in a recent application, please send an email to the ARRLDXCC desk. He also says that due to heavy email volume, you may not receive a personal reply. However, updates will be posted in the logbook of the world accounts as well as online on the daily listings. The year 2014 marks the 50th anniversary of the launch of the Islands on the Air program by British SWL Chef Watts, BRS 3129. As a build-up to celebrations on this occasion, the RSGB IOTA manager and committee have announced an exciting activity period in which all licensed amateurs worldwide are invited to participate. For a two-year period, 2012 and 2013, IOTA chasers will be encouraged to contact as many different IOTA groups as possible and IOTA activators to play their part by operating from as many groups as possible, with special emphasis on less frequently activated ones. The complete rules of the IOTA 50th Anniversary Marathon will appear in the forthcoming RSGB IOTA directory, to be released at Dayton. Intruder Watch, Enforcement Zone. Brazilian free band is heard on 10 metres. The IARU Region 1 Intruder Watch newsletter reports that Brazilian CB-like or so-called free band stations using full carrier AM are now often audible between 28.000 and 28.305 MHz. Most of these stations are being heard in the evening hours. The report says that the Brazilian telecommunications regulator Anatol 
seems to have no interest in this problem or in keeping these stations from operating in the 10 metre amateur service band. For VK1WIA National News, I'm Felix, VK4FUQ Inningham. Good morning, this is Robert, VK3DN, with this week's Worldwide Special Interest Group News. In Worldwide Interest Groups, we take a look at optics, rescue radio and video. Worldwide Special Interest Groups ATV, where every pixel tells a story. W5KUB to netcast from Dayton Hamvention. Todd Medlin, W5KUB, says that he'll be again streaming live audio and video from the Dayton Hamvention. According to Tom, this will be the ninth year that he'll be netcasting live on W5KUB.com, beginning with his 550-mile ride from his home in Memphis, Tennessee, right to the Hamvention site at the Hara Arena in Dayton. During this year's netcast, Tom will also be giving away over $5,000 in prizes to lucky viewers. Some of the prize donors include Heil Sound, Kenwood, Yesu, MFJ, Cantronics, LDG and the ARRL. That alone is something that you don't want to miss. So, if you can't make it to the Hamvention in 2011, then you can attend vicariously from May the 18th to the 22nd, thanks to Tom Medlin, W5KUB and his crew at W5KUB.com. Worldwide Special Interest Group's Optics UK Light Communications Distance Record Challenged An optical distance record claimed in the UK may not be a record after all. Amateur Radio Newsline's Frank Haas, KB4T, says that they've received numerous emails that say an accomplishment in the UK falls far short of others' claimed distances set elsewhere around the globe. In fact, the number of such claims far outweighs the space that we have available to report them all. But as pointed out by one of their listeners, the 90-kilometre distance claimed in the UK is only about 56 miles, and there are numbers of other well-documented communications over much larger distances. This includes one as early as 1962 in Southern California. The bottom line? If hams are going to lay claim to optical distance records, then what is needed is an organisation respected and accepted by all of the world's ham radio community to corroborate any claims made and to declare who has set a valid record and who has not. Worldwide Special Interest Groups Rescue Radio, the movie, while well, a 1959 movie called Every Single Minute. This is a historic amateur radio movie about AR and emergency communications and it's available on YouTube. In 1955, the Philmont Mobile Radio Club, an association of mobile amateur radio operators in the Philadelphia, Pennsylvania area in the US, provided emergency communications during the devastating flooding along the Delaware River and the Pocono Mountains following Hurricane Diane, the sixth costliest US hurricane of the 20th century. In 1959, the club produced this short film to explain amateur radio and especially mobile communications as practised by the club. The main film begins after a three-minute interview with Jim Spencer, W3BBB, produced by a local cable channel many years later. As Jim was a very young man, W3QQH in the original film and his now silent key. Garak 2011. The International Amateur Radio Union Region 1 website reports that the Global Amateur Radio Emergency Communications Conference, Garak 2011, will be held in conjunction with the IIRU Region 1 General Conference in Sun City, South Africa from the 15th to 19th of August. 
As Garrick has to slot in between the main IARU meetings, it is possible for IARU delegates to attend Garrick. Registration for Garrick is now open for emergency communicators. Well, that's all I have for you this week. This has been Robert, VK3DN, reporting for Melbourne. Across Australia from VK1WIA, you're tuned to the WIA National News Service. In Adelaide, it can be heard on VK5RAD 147FM at 9am local every Sunday morning. I'm Bob, VK5NZ. That ident there sort of reminds me it's about that time of the year when, as we wrap up the WIA year just before the AGM to be held in Darwin, we do remind everybody to check the wia.org.au website, check out where you can hear the WIA news broadcast and make sure that all your details are correct. Of course, we only show those broadcasters that reply to us so we know that you're definitely on the air. Okay, the social scene to wrap up the WIA national news. Of course, over this weekend, as we said earlier, the Clearview Gathering's been held and uh, that is always a great event. May 7, we've got two, one in VK3 and one in VK4. That's the Moorabbin District Amateur Radio Club's Hamfest in VK3 and also in VK4. Of course, we've got the Brisbane Amateur Radio Club's Barkfest. May 27 to 29 is the AGM weekend in Darwin. And the Far North and North Queensland Amateur Radio Gathering at King Reef Resort, Caramine Beach, is June 10 to 12. And also over that weekend, June 11 to 12, is the Oxley Region Amateur Radio Club's annual field day. Now until next week, I'm Graham VK4BB. Walk softly. In the nation's capital, with amateur radio news from across the globe, this has been the WIA National News Service. Local news and callbacks follow on most affiliates. We'd appreciate you checking in. VK1WIA. We've reported. You decide.